0: Welcome to the Miles Pike Podcast, a podcast that strives to foster excellence in gospel music both on the stage and in the local church through conversations. I'm your host, Miles Pike. I'm hoping to probe into the lives and minds of gospel artists, industry legends, and some frontline people on the worship scene. Guests include fellow artists, pastors, session players, producers, songwriters, comedians, radio personalities, and theologians. Subscribe to not miss an episode, share on social media with the musicians, pastors, and music ministers in your life, and please rate and comment to help take us all the way to being able to say that dozens and dozens are listening. Thank you for taking time to join in on the conversation. Now on to the program. Trey Etheridge is a name that you have probably never heard but most of the people in the world you've never heard of, and what really makes the world turn and function, are those names. For some reason, we may care what a British royal is wearing, or what a famous singer has to say about politics, or the laughable hypocrisy of Hollywood elites telling us about morals. But in the real world, it is the everyday people who get things done, certainly in the church. It is the ordinary, faithful, orthodox local pastors serving from the pulpits and from your homes that help spearhead the advance of the gospel in your communities. Trey is one of those who we encountered along the road as we were traveling doing concerts. It was a fast friendship, and we have been in each other's homes many times talking theology and how it pertains to life, music, and the church. I thought it would be good to let you sit in on one of those sessions. All right, Pastor Trey Etheridge from Jonesboro, Louisiana on the line with me. This is my buddy I've known for several years. Uh, Thank you for joining me this morning.
1: Well, I'm glad to be here, Miles. I appreciate the opportunity, brother.
0: Oh, I've been looking forward to this. And just for everybody listening, uh, just for a little perspective, how did we meet and how did you end up where you are over there in Louisiana?
1: Well, um, we actually met at a revival that I was preaching. It was just uh, one night that I was um, had been asked to preach at a church uh, over here in Louisiana. And uh, you were leading the singing and um, was uh, basically just kind of struck up a conversation afterward. I, I noticed you and, and the lovely Martha's interaction while uh, y'all were singing. Of course, you spoke of her.
0: Um, and I, I, remember, I remember I used the word uh, ex, exegesis and used like, oh, yes, <laughs> like, yes, you that, know that, that word. Immediately,
1: <laughs> that immediately got my attention of, uh, yeah, you, there's some theological background here from this. Uh, silly man who sings about <laughs> preaching and lying at funerals, but um,
0: yes, yes, yes,
1: yes. But but yeah, that's, that's how we met. Struggled a conversation, and just kind of went from there. Uh, very much a a God ordained providential meeting.
0: Oh yes, and we've uh, we've done many revivals with guest preachers, and and uh, when there when there's actually a, a good solid biblical sermon, they stand out. There's uh, you know one or two a year. It would seem uh, that just really is, is excellent. So that stood out to us about you and, uh, anyway, but uh, how, how did you end up, um, over in Jonesboro and, uh, and what, what are you doing there now? Well,
1: I'm, I'm originally from Louisiana, grew up in a small town called Winfield, which is actually about 30 minutes from here. Um, I spent some time in Arkansas, um, a couple churches up there. And, uh, back in 2010, moved back <clears throat> to the area. And then in um, two years ago, I made the transition over to uh, First Baptist in Jonesboro and uh, pastoring with a good friend of mine. And so uh, he is senior pastor, and um, my focus is worship and discipleship.
0: Yeah, uh, interesting. uh, You're an interesting guest uh, because you have quite the combination. You have been a music minister. You are a music minister, but you're also a pastor and serving in several different capacities. And so um, that's uh, kind of the focus of the podcast. I want to try to cover all different areas of worship. And so looking forward to uh, plumbing your depths uh, during this interview. But um, now where did you go to seminary at?
1: Um, New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. And um, I finished up, actually came out with a Master's Theological Studies and then also a Master of Divinity. It's kind of an extended process uh, somewhere along the way I got a master's in education too so um, well, that, that sounds uh, what started out simple took a while but anyway yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> well I want to kind of uh, get our, our worship part of the uh, the interview started with a quote uh, Eugene Peterson uh, I, I saw where he said that uh, worship does not satisfy our hunger for God it whets our appetite. Worship does not satisfy our hunger for God. It wets our appetite. Now, what do you think Brother Eugene is saying? And uh, do you agree, disagree? And how would you succinctly define worship?
1: Um. Yeah, I've been thinking about that quote with, uh, with, uh, from, from Eugene Peterson on that. Because uh, I've read a number of things that he's... Written in the past, and there's some things I agree with and all, some things I don't. But um, yes and no, for lack of a better, uh, probably for lack of a better answer.
0: Now you ought to know by um, now, you know that's why I chose this quote in Eugene Peterson, just for you.
1: Yes, yes, <laughs> I, I, I wondered that and um, and thought about that as well. Um, I do agree. So, certainly, it um, it whets our appetite. I think it does oh, So much more than that. Uh, Of course, we are commanded to worship. It is the first command that we are to uh, love the Lord our God and and Him alone. Uh, We are to love Him with all our heart, soul, mind, and and, uh, strength. Um, So, yes, it fulfills our desire, and yet it's never ending. Um, You know, Jesus Himself said, uh, You will drink from this living water, you will never thirst again but the indication there is that you will always desire this water. Yes. I'm going to satisfy this thirst, but this is something that will be never ending. Um, So maybe he's going there. Maybe not. Um, You know, I I would have hoped that you would have provided the context of that miles, but (laughs) you didn't. So we'll roll with that brother. But anyway, um, so that's kind of what I think of there. How would I succinctly define worship? Um, If I just want to be, you know, purely biblical. I think about Deuteronomy six here, Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one Um, and to love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul and mind. That I think is probably at the foundation. Um, I think it is the, the offering of ourself uh, over uh, to God. And of course, I think we're thinking in terms of biblical worship. However, worship can be anything that we, Give our allegiance and um, our mind, soul, and body over to. And so you can get unbiblical with that as well. We are creatures who are designed for worship. And of course, that is flawed because of sin. Uh, but we long to worship something.
0: And, yeah, as uh, an interesting... We will
1: worship something.
0: Yeah, well, absolutely. And we'll, I think we'll get to that a little bit later. But yeah, there's. Um... There's an interesting conversation to be had over the the view that Spurgeon would have on worship. Where if uh, if you're scrubbing floors to the glory of God and you're doing it with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you're doing it to your best of your abilities because you love God, uh, then that is worship. But uh, there there are those who would say, well, you know, there's a a category for that called good works, you know, you're just doing Mm -hmm. good works, you're obeying, but that's not worship per se, that worship is, you know, partaking of the sacraments, congregating with the saints, um, you know, and, and that, and that kind of thing. And so uh, where, where do you fall on that side of things?
1: Yeah, I think there's, there's an individual versus a corporate nature to worship. Mm -hmm. Um, I think as an individual, um, Uh, Well, Gordon Bohr said one time, he said, you know, this is the thing. The glory of God is always the issue um, in everything. And so just as Paul uh, admonished us, whatever you do, do unto the glory of God. Uh, As an individual, that is to be our mindset. That is to be what it is that we are to strive for. Uh, On the corporate end of it, we are commanded together corporately uh, by the same uh, on the flip side of that coin, though, in terms of worship, how, or how are we to worship corporately? It's all about the glory of God. The glory of God is always the issue. Uh, so, so there's a, uh, a sameness there, or, or there's a joining of the individual versus the corporate, but there is a difference in that, and that the tasks and duties that I'm assigned to do, should be done to the glory of God. I should I should see that as a part of my worship, but it is not a substitution for corporate worship with the faith family.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, whenever it comes to the corporate worship, it's like we, we may use all manner of, of instruments to, to play a guitar or a piano or whatever, but the most important instrument is the human voice and and the and, uh, congregation singing together, and so one disturbing trend we see in our travels is where is congregational singing? It's like I, I'd, I'd like to get back where people actually knew and sang parts and had hymnals because of the excellence and the camaraderie that is fostered by that kind of interaction. Uh, there is something very uh, unique about it, and and where Martha and I met, uh, St. Sebastian School of Music in nashville it was you know lots of different classes but for three hours a day that's what it was sight singing ear training and all that i'm not saying everybody has to do that but you know if you if you give a little bit of your time throughout your life to it you know it it becomes infectious and it's just unlike anything that i've ever experienced before or since and it's kind of going the way of the dodo bird and it's it's a shame um how should we think about it and what can we do to recover it, or at least see it as is valuable?
1: Yeah, I, well, I think we have to first consider uh, the fact that congregational singing, singing in worship itself, is a command from God. Um, we have um, some numerous passages: Colossians three, Ephesians five. Mm-hmm. Uh, where we are specifically commanded to address one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So there is a horizontal and a vertical aspect to that. Yep. Um, so, but, but, but the key to it is we are commanded to do that in worship. And so anytime that I try to facilitate, a worship service where it becomes more um, audience driven, where it becomes more spectator driven and the focus is on the platform and on the stage of what is going on, then I'm, I'm removing the worship. We, we have one, we have an audience of one in corporate worship and that is God. And we are to all, whether it be the pastor's, uh, whether it be the one singing, whether it be the congregation who should be singing as well. Um, we are all participants in this worship and we are, we are worshiping God. Uh, that is, we are participating participating to an audience of one, worshiping an audience of one. Um, so, so what has happened with congregational singing? Well, it is slowly disappeared. Um, I think, there, I think there's perhaps a, a resurgence of it um, in churches. Um, I think there are a lot of churches that feel like they're missing something, but they haven't, they haven't put the pen in that it is congregational singing. Um, and, and I think a lot of, you know, my own tribe have, has been the fault of that. Uh, that we've removed that responsibility away from the congregation and said, you know, we'll we'll take care of that. We'll maintain the excellence in the in the singing and in the instrumentation and in the presentation of it all. You sit there and listen, um, and, and that's sad. That, that it really is. And uh, uh, you know how to, how to bring that back. We just got to get the congregation singing again. Um, and I think that's instructive. I think it has to come from the pulpit. I think it has to come from pastoral leadership um, in, in encouraging congregational singing, but also reminding the church that it is a biblical command uh, to do so. Well,
0: and I feel like we're going to miss it even more. Uh, you know, in the context of COVID 19, he, here we sit and, you know, we're being told don't sing because you're liable to, you know, kill somebody. And uh, so once that's uh, back, I'm I'm curious. You know, it's like will people be itching to and you know really sing more than ever, or will we just be accustomed to standing there listening anymore? You know, I, it's it's hard to say which direction that's going to go. Now I know God's God's people. You know, those who are, you know deeply uh, theological and and everything. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna spring back. You know toward that because they know it's a command they know the value of it and and all but you know i mean what what about congregational harmony like even the congregations that do sing together it's it's so much of it uh unison um so when i say congregational harmony i don't mean how they get along <laughs> but but you know singing parts is that important i mean should it be something that is encouraged or is it just a, a cultural thing that's totally lost to us today
1: yeah i i i think it i think it's perhaps more of a cultural thing as opposed to a biblical thing mm-hmm. um if, in terms of should we you know uh, what what are you know you talk about the regulative principle um a little bit later what is biblically prescribed in worship um is four part harmony in this congregational singing prescribed to worship, and I think the answer to that is no. however, I, I do think it is a testimony to the uh, to the lack of congregational singing that is occurring in our homes. Um, mm-hmm. I do think it is a I think that that was probably the the, the harmonies and things that that um, carried over into the church. Were a transfer from family worship that was occurring at home.
0: Oh um, yeah, absolutely. Sitting I, on I the front porch and you yeah, know, somebody I, I think that's the where
1: they learned. Yeah, I think that's where they learned to the sing parts, and uh, it just gradually carried over into the church. Yeah. Um, you, you can't, also, uh... also having music in schools. Um, you know, whether you're your homeschool or public school, whatever it the case, music is is gone. Uh, almost in the public school today. Whereas I know in elementary school growing up, I mean, we had music once, if not twice a week. Um, There was some kind of song always being sung, you know, so all of that I think comes into play as far as what, what we see today in our, in our churches. Yeah. For, for me personally, it is, um, you know, the challenge is to, to, to get the congregation to teach and equip the congregation to see that not only are we to sing unto the Lord, but our singing unto the Lord serves a purpose. It actually ministers to the person sitting next to me. Uh, it it encourages love and good deeds.
0: Yeah, well, and let me let me press. I know you said you know singing harmony is not a biblical command, and I, I understand that. But is there a biblical admonition or example for the congregation to sing well? You know, for the instrumentalists to do well, and you know, it's like unison is. You know, if, if everybody's you know dead on it, I mean, yeah, that can be argued that that's well. But um, you know, to 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 take the time as families and um, you know, and as as people to just listen to to have a, a trained ear um you know it's it's asking a lot of people it's like well my netflix show is on you know that's that's our family time <laughs> you know but i tell you what i think families will be healthier if if they just you know sit around and sing you know we don't even know uh this, this is this is a side note but we we teach um, you know some music students and so many of them do not know a song beginning to end they do not know Oh the, no! The verses and the choruses, because we live in a world of shuffle on our on our on our pod, on our uh, our uh, iPods and and on streaming. But,
1: uh, yeah, I mean it's a TikTok world where it's it's yeah. a soundbite world. Um, it is a sample world.
0: So if you don't um, know the song intimately, you you're not going to sing parts with it. You know, you're not going to hear no, no, no. you're not going to mm-hmm. hear what the background vocalists are doing. You yeah. know, so.
1: Not to mention we haven't even begun to focus, you know, in terms of hymns, the purpose of hymns and, and the words, the story, the gospel story that is being told Mm -hmm. Um, and and the purpose of that. I mean, that is part of our singing. What are we singing? Glory of God is always the issue. So we are singing songs that glorify God, but that tell the gospel story.
0: It's, Um, It's a catechism.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I think it's, uh, I would love for harmony to be. Now, in terms of excellence, let me go back because you mentioned excellence. I I think that goes back to doing everything to the glory of God. Um, And I would add a caveat in there, as best that we can, um, because I know I've been in a lot of smaller churches. There's just not the resources there.
0: Oh, absolutely. And as I, you, have to, uh, as yeah, you have to. As you have to. I don't downplay that at all.
1: But I do uh, think there's a difference in, um, in, in uh, you know, preparation versus laziness or lack of resources versus laziness. Mm-hmm. You know, because I think that's a lot of what is happening in our churches of just we show up Sunday morning and, you know, service starts at 11, well, about 1045. We're going to go up and just pick a few hymns out so the preacher can preach.
0: Well and this is this is something I've never put together, but you know you're talking about those little churches those little churches with small congregations are mm-hmm. ten times more likely to have harmony sung in the pews mm-hmm. than you go to the mega church where the praise band is hitting all their hot licks and you yeah. know uh, the the sub is thumping I mean that congregation you know they're listening or they're just singing with the soloist you know it's mm-hmm. there's Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, you're not good, you're not going to hear people singing harmony in that in that atmosphere.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, and that's probably because they're uh, singing them at home. Uh, there's there's probably a lot of what we would call singings, you know, yeah, going yeah. on uh, on Friday and Saturday night where they're singing those those same tunes. Um, you know, but but it's a but it's a it, it goes both ways, Miles, because you've you've got. A lot of unbiblical songs that are being sung in those small oh, churches, oh. you know, just as you do in the larger churches as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I tell you what, uh, since you were bringing that up, you know, this is not because of technology, and and I'm 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 very much behind the eight ball on this, uh, or behind the curve rather on this, because of technology, even even the smaller churches can. Are utilizing a lot of the the contemporary worship things of that nature that they see in the bigger churches, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of as well of the contemporary music. Um, and I'm not I'm not making reference to you know which service is better, traditional versus contemporary. What I'm just referring to is is music that just is not it's man centered for lack of a better term.
0: Oh yeah yeah you know it's. It's, it's all first-person pronouns. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So so you may even have the, the big sound in the smaller churches mm-hmm. um, because of technology and because of people thinking that's the way to go.
0: Yeah. Oh, I, I've heard so many pastors say, well, you know, that's not the way we've always done it, but we've got to get those young people in, you know, and yeah. That's, yeah. that's not the way you do it because that's not how you keep them. Um, but anyway. Uh, I mean, how how do you think a worship leader, or pastor, can be more effective in leading their churches in congregational worship with less emphasis on soloists and praise bands and hot links? And I'm not against soloists and praise bands and hot licks, mm-hmm. you know. It's like, mm-hmm. but but if if that's the main course, you know, and it's and it's not yep. some garnish on the side, you know, it's it's yeah. it's a completely different thing.
1: Well, here is where. Um, just to, to put it in a sentence, um, the worship leader has to be a pastor. Now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. now that may be, you say, we we'll only have one staff member. Okay, I'm not necessarily saying the person who is who is standing up there waving their arm or, or standing up there playing the guitar and leading the music, but the the one who is leading the service has to be a pastor. And so they are teaching and they're equipping what is biblical worship? What is the biblical expectation of what is to be happening in those churches? Um, mm-hmm. And he is to also be modeling that. So, you, so with that, if he's to be a pastor, then he's got to meet the qualifications of First Timothy three and Titus, uh, Titus one. Um, and and he has to to be able to minister to the congregation, but he has to be able to equip them um in that okay we can sure soloists are fine but what song are you singing oh yeah, what are the words there uh praise band is good but if you know but if um johnny's going off on this guitar lick for 15 minutes there's an issue there (laughs) which happens you know it happens um if uh Praise band's fine. Uh, The band is good, but if you're going to play AC-DC, then we got an issue. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, and we can go on and on with different examples. And it's not just with the praise band.
0: Well, I don't know Um, what's wrong with those chords, Trey. I mean, AC-DC, that's pretty standard chords, you know, for guitars.
1: Oh, there it was. I was waiting for it. I mean, we've been talking (laughs) here for a little while. I was waiting for the the sarcasm there. Um, (laughs) Yes, but... What I was saying, Miles, is that um, it doesn't just have to be the the praise band. It can be the traditional church. Um, you had asked me earlier um, about the Americanized service. It can be the traditional church that basically is is worshiping America in its church service. Mm. You know. Um, yeah, you know, the,
0: the 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 form and the, or the formula. Yeah, are.
1: I mean, so it's it's not just a well, it you know, oh, so you're saying it just has to look like this? No, I'm saying we have to be biblical.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, well, this is this is a crazy question, but I want to probe a little. Um, would it be better um, to just simplify our presentation in order to bring more attention to the content? Then, then, then take the risk that people are coming to church and end up worshiping the band. You know, worshiping that American, you know, church service uh, formula.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I,
0: I and, and I and I, and I know, know. I, know I, one, I know one I know one big name preacher that <laughs> that we know that would argue that you know yes simplify it br- you know uh, mm-hmm, bring mm-hmm. you know don't have the big band and don't have a choir just keep it as simple as possible to focus on the congregation to focus on um the content of the hymns and and that's it yeah
1: yeah um uh, mm, i think your context and and and, and culture has a lot to do with that um again I, i think it it can be directed. I think some of that is, is just, uh, you know, I think in that case, with you're mentioning the, the big name preacher, I think he does that so that he can preach for an hour and a half, um, <laughs> you know, so, so we all kind of have our preferences uh, and that's what I'm getting at. Again, I would, I would say, I don't know that there, you know, is it becoming a distraction is, is what is taking place? Uh, do you see the people start to do that because here's the thing we can go the other way with it again this goes back to worship we can worship anything um, mm-hmm. you can worship the the large band that's up there just blowing and going with every instrument you got available um, and the best sound you know uh, that can be produced and we can worship the the guy who's up there just playing the piano and singing Yep. Uh, we can make it all about that because that would be my thing is it, let's say you have two churches who are, who are truly biblically worshiping churches. And if in one church has only piano and congregational singing, another church has a full band, but congregational singing. If, if both, if an individual from each church cannot walk in that other church and worship, then there's a problem.
0: Absolutely. And, and, and I think it becomes an issue of pride. Well, we're better than them because. Yes,
1: exactly. You know,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I mean, in some church services, you know, it can be very biblical, but uh, very dry, Um, And then some church services can be very dry, but but the preaching is very banal. It's painful to Mm -hmm. the heart. Uh, But then you have the other extreme where a church can be so loud and edgy that it's painful to the ears. And so um, (laughs) uh, such poor preaching that it's painful to the mind. Now, how... Mm -hmm how can a pastor or music minister walk the line between not being too dry and not being too edgy? I mean, is there a, is there a biblical principle we can adhere to?
1: Um, I, would, I would go back to the glory of God is always the issue. <laughs> That's the, uh, right. the, um, well, I, I think there you, you're, you're dealing with leadership first and foremost. Okay. So it is the pastor, um, First of all, is is he called, um, is he fulfilling those qualifications of first Timothy three and Titus? Is he seeking to incorporate the prescribed order of worship? In other words, those things that are prescribed specifically in the new Testament that are to take place in the, um, in the corporate worship setting. Mm -hmm. Uh, we'll get, we can get into those a little bit later, but the five of them, um, Are those things taking place? Now, they can look different in different contexts, but are they taking place? If they are, then, you know, it becomes a matter of just a a really providentially waiting on the Lord. And and what I mean by that is if you've got a guy in the pulpit who's seeking to lead the church, who's seeking to shepherd the church, and he's expositing the word, he's he's, he's, um, uh, preaching, the word he's rightly dividing the word of truth um then there's just time that you have to get uh that you have to give everything cannot be fixed overnight oh and, god, no, no! you know um and well, so it's it be- just
0: very deep-rooted
1: yeah it becomes a matter of just of of allowing the word to do the work faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god and so as you seek to equip and point everything towards the word and, and the sufficiency of the word, the authority of the word, um, there, there kind of comes a point where you sit back and, and, and we just rely on grace. Um, now, will there be those occasions where you have to draw the line and say, no, we can't bring that in here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, when you've got the soprano that just sings way too loud every Sunday and and, uh, but but two, you know, compassionately seek to examine her heart in that situation. Maybe she's truly singing to the Lord, um, but she just uh, is not in tune, you know. Um, you have to be compassionate about that. It's, it's not going to be perfect. Again, context, culture, resources available. Uh, you have to take all those things into consideration. And at the end of the day, are you are you seeking to maintain biblical worship?
0: Now I, I have my own opinions on this, uh, but it's kind of a touchy subject. So I'm going to ask and then let you get in trouble. Mm, uh, okay. I would <laughs> I would assume that if the Bible says that God heard Daniel the first time he prayed, I think that would follow <laughs> that God also hears you the first time you sang the worship chorus. Mm -hmm. Uh, A a few extra times is okay, you know, so we get it, and it's a nice chorus and good words. But we aren't getting heavily brownie points for redundancy, I don't think. Um, But I've heard people defend repetitious modern worship choruses because the Bible says the angels fly around singing holy, holy, holy. Now, what would you say to that argument?
1: To, to that argument directly, um, quoting Isaiah there and, and uh, revelation speaks of that as well. Um, <laughs> first two responses would be one, we're not angels. Um, and two, those, <laughs> those angels are doing that eternally. Um, they're doing that all the time. And I've yet to see anybody, uh, well, we, we might would question their sanity. If, uh, you know, they're just walking through the grocery store singing, holy, holy, holy. I,
0: over I don't and know. Over have, over you, again. have you heard, K-Love?
1: No. <laughs> uh, Miles, we're going to keep this positive today, brother. Oh, all right. We're going right. to keep it good. We're going to keep it good. We are. We are. We are. Um, but, yeah, I know exactly what, what you're making reference to. Um, you know, we here's the issue we have a story to tell we we have been plucked from the depths of hell our sin our the wrath of God that was on us upon us our guilt our condemnation all of that has been removed and we have been reconciled to the king of kings and Lord of Lords we have a story to tell for, as the hymn goes to the nations and and I think we do that in song and in worship um, can it be repetitive? Sure. Uh, as everybody knows, repetition is certainly one of the ways that you learn things, uh, that you drive things into your heart, into your head. Uh, at the same time, I, I think we have to be careful in this, rep, this repetitive singing of just the same thing. Oh, you know, some people have turned them 7 Eleven songs. Um, number one, because there's no meat. Um, oftentimes, it's uh, focused on myself. You know, I, I love you, Lord. I lift you up. You know, it's all about things that I'm going to do, or it's How the much flip. You s- love me, yeah. It's the flip side of that of all the stuff you need to do for me. Yep. Um. But we've got to be careful of the ethereal uh, approach of, of that we're trying to to reach this utopian experience. You know, music is emotional. There's there's no doubt about that.
0: Oh, yeah. You
1: know. You can um, listen
0: to, uh, you know, a, a classical piece or just mm-hmm. a beautiful instrumental. Yeah. And it have nothing to do with the gospel, not even written by a Christian. And it can bring you to an emotional feeling, you know, and yeah. tears mm-hmm. or a smile.
1: Yeah. And, and I think that's the danger of that, Uh, that it becomes more about the experience and we equate the experience to the working of the Holy Spirit. Um, And it's not because then it becomes a matter of, of me. It's almost like a drug of, of I can't worship until I achieve this experience again, until I get brought to this place. Mm -hmm. Um, Not to mention the fact that it diminishes what is to be primary in the worship service. And that is the preaching of the word. So think about this. We go on for 30, 40 minutes with this, this almost concert like experience. Um, and then we're and we're drawn into you know to this singing, the um, singing the words over and over and over again. We're reaching this emotional high. Okay, now we're gonna stop and this guy's gonna come talk to us for 30 minutes. Mm, can we get back to the singing? Can he hurry up? You know, I'm sure he's got a good word. I'm, you know, I can go watch it online. Can can we get back to the to the important part? You
0: know, well, I think it's also the the, the death of uh, of private worship, the death of prayer and meditation and Bible reading because y- there's not the concert before it. Mm, yeah, and, yeah, and so it, it you know it's like worship. Uh, a big element of it to me is you are training your mind. You know, it's like you're. You're, you're, it's being renewed as you hear these words, as you think on these truths, as you, um, you know, these, these big truths encapsulated in a hymn or in a song. And and then, um, you know, you, you hear the word preached and it's applied. There's no musical facade to soften anything. You're just hearing truth. It's speaking into your life. It's cutting you deep and it's healing you wounds and it's pointing out blemishes and you know, it, it's your, your mind is being trained to hear and love and relish and respond to the Word of God, and uh, you know, music is an important element. But that uh, you know, if if you have to have that, then yeah, you're not you're not going to spend you know uh, an hour a day, you know, uh, listening to a sermon on a podcast or yeah. um, or doing. Uh, Bible study, a devotional book, or having family prayer time, because you don't have the band.
1: Yes, yeah, I mean, and that and that, that plays into all of it. I mean, when you just consider the Psalms, uh, I mean, the Psalms are, they're meant to be sung. We don't have all the tunes for them, things of that nature, but but a Psalm, just reading through these, a Psalm should, should well up in your heart, whether, whether it is whether it is a hymn that you remember or not, you know, Psalm 103, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, all that is within me, bless his holy name.
0: Oh, if you can't read the lyrics to a song and it not speak to you, then you don't need to play it. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: and And this is what I think we've missed or have begun to miss in a lot of the music that is being produced. Of course, you have, you know, uh, you have him. You have him writing that is making a return. I'm so grateful, thankful for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but but it's you know again, you have your your Bethels and your hero songs that that are still just you know growing by leaps and bounds. And and you take a look at the words to them. Um, and again, when you read the words to some of those songs, now before whoever's listening to this, uh, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna get it right, so to speak, biblically, every now and then. But when I can when I can flip through, um, I, you know, it's part of uh, being over our worship um, ministry here, you know, we, we get in songs from publishers and things of that nature. And so I've got 30 songs here, and probably 20 of them are by Bethel or Hero Song um, or Elevation Worship. That's another one when I can flip through those and there may be one out of, out of the 20 out of the 30 where I go, okay, that that's got a a true biblical God-centered message to it. There's a problem. Uh, I don't need, I don't need to go around singing about how, how, you know, God is on my shoulders. Um, (laughs) it just doesn't work brother. Um, and so, you know, there's nothing to meditate upon there, not to mention the, you know, no mention of sin, uh, no mention uh, of the reconciliation that occurs through the gospel. There is not a gospel message. It's just primarily about what God can do for me or what, you know, what I'm doing to, quote unquote, please God.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, works, works based and... That's yeah, both, yeah. both the directions, you know, what yeah. I do for God and what God's going to do for me. Uh,
1: but, I, but I like your point is that is that I think one of the, the true testimonies to a biblical song, a biblical hymn, a uh, biblical spiritual song, can I meditate on the words apart from the music Yeah, that's with it? Can I take it and, you know, and, and uh, my sin – Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. Uh, my sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord,
0: on oh my soul. You know, I can... Okay, I, and here... here <laughs> yeah. Here, here's, here's the funny thing. of This is a whole other subject, but mm-hmm. wonderful words. Oh, my goodness. Blessed millions and millions and millions of people yeah. over generations. And... Horatio Spafford
1: apostatized at the end of his life. Yeah, yeah, and I and, mean,
0: it's like, what do you do with that?
1: Yeah, you go into a whole another discussion there. Um, I
0: know it. I know it. We don't have time. And um, but,
1: um, and I've and I've referenced it well, and I've had discussions that with many people. Um, and my only thought on that is, um, we we have Horatio's life. Yes, uh, he did apostatize at the end. He, he's dead now is not gonna affect anybody now. Um, whereas opposed to I can jump on the website of Bethel, I can jump on the website of Hillsong, I can oh, yeah. be exposed to their preaching, I can be exposed to their, you know, school of healing, healing and whatever supernatural works and raising people from the dead and the whole nine yards. I mean, you can you can YouTube it and see what all's going on. Um, I mean, they're invoking um What was the thing they invoked not too long ago? I mean, it was a, uh, they had a wizard staff or something up there. I mean, you know, it just, it's, yeah. Now And it comes up. You see it on YouTube. Now you read their statement of faith on the the website and you would think, well, I I can get on board with that. But again, you have to look at the fruit. Um, you have to. we have to be fruit examiners in, in what it is that, that the problem is. On the same time, though, I don't, I don't think that needs to be the focus of our attention. I think we can get caught up in that.
0: Well, you're talking about the fruit of, of the worship. Let me, let me read a quote from Sam Storms. Yes. He said, Certainly joy and celebration are appropriate responses to the grace of God revealed in the gospel. But no less essential is the fear of God rooted in the recognition of his majesty and holiness. We must be careful that our emotions and physical displays in the times of worship are conscious expressions of gratitude, awe, love, and devotion, rather than an unconscious reaction to the mood or rhythm of the music. So, thinking of, of Bethel and and, and other, other churches, I mean, from little to big, all over the world, um, when it comes to worship, how much does form matter? I mean, is, is there... Um, I don't know. It's like yeah. the Bible talks about shouting, raising hands and dancing and mm-hmm. amenning and all those things. What where where does that go?
1: But what but at the end of the day the question what am I moving what am I seeking to move you to as a congregation? Yes. Am I seeking you to move to a conscious examination of your own mind, um your own heart? Um, am, I, am I seeking to lay sin before you in the conviction of it, uh, to examine yourself? Um, am I seeking to to uh, bring you before the throne of heaven uh, as we seek to worship this holy and righteous God? So where where is the reverence and awe in this, or? am I moving you towards, again, this ethereal emotional experience of where you're trying to achieve this, this high, uh, this spiritual high, uh, where everything is rainbows and unicorns and, Oh, you know, we're just all loving one another. Um, and then when we leave, everything goes back to the way it was. Yeah. And then next week we'll meet for the same thing again, you know, or when we leave, we're truly convicted by the power of the Holy spirit, um, there, there has been an aspect of us that has been broken by the power of the Spirit, where we come face to face with our sin and we repent before the Lord, um, and and we we truly seek Him in worship.
0: Well, let me let me fine tune it just a little bit me um, get a little more pointed. I, I was raised in uh, in churches that were very outward in the way that they praised, and it could be boisterous and animated. Um, one place I find myself struggling sometimes to find a balance when I worship now is within the realm of being tempted to outwardly do the motions of worship because of what someone may think about my spirituality and not focusing so much on the inward position of my heart. And... And then, you know, the struggle of, okay, I, I want to get my inward position right and only then do anything outward. <laughs> and, and just, you know, almost navel gazing, you know, guarding against that. So, do you believe that when the inward is right, that it will manifest itself in an, out, in an outward action, you know, a lifted hand or uh, amening or, you know, something, throwing babies in the air, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Jumping cues, you know, what those are.
1: Uh, yes, uh, but again, I think we have to be biblical. So uh, I think it becomes an outward expression, but one that is under self-control, which is a fruit of the spirit. Um, and, yes, and, and, that's,
0: and that's something that I, I've, me and Martha was talking about this, the, mm-hmm. the, the gifts of the spirit are regulated by the fruits of the spirit. You know, any any yes, time yes. you you get out of the self control realm, mm-hmm. then that gift is not being regulated by the the fruit of the spirit, and, and something's wrong. So yeah. I, I get that. I, I'm not really jumping pews and throwing babies in there. Oh yeah, but yeah, yeah. you know, it's uh, but but I have seen churches and worship uh, services where everything is just ripe for. Uh, you know, the, a Christian to rejoice in the in the truth that is being proclaimed, and yet there's nothing on the outside. It's mm-hmm. like that is a mm-hmm. no no in that church. It's mm-hmm. like is something wrong there, or is that just the church? I mean, should should we look at that kind of the scant, and or? or
1: well, I think if I think if it's <laughs> if if it's void of all emotional response, now you know, granted, it it could be. Uh, that that would be something that would probably have to be examined over time, um, yeah, yeah. because you may not see a very vocal response in the actual service, but throughout the week, that pastor is encountering encountering numerous uh, members of his congregation who are, you know, who, who are coming to him broken by by the sermon, um, mm-hmm. which yeah. is an expression, you know. Um, or, or changed, or, you know, you may have those who are, who are called to ministry, or you see salvations the following several weeks, or whatever is the case. I, I think a lot of it, you know, it's kind of like uh, Votie Bauchman was asked one time, you know, is dancing wrong? David danced in the service, so is dancing wrong? And, and he says, no, he said, the difference is, is it, is it prescribed? And, and are we trying to make it a norm of the service? Is there this spiritual gift of, of dancing in the service? You know, no. There, there's not, is, you know, the whole holy laughter thing that came but No, that is unscriptural. Um, however, if I see someone who is, and I think this is the example I gave, someone who had been uh, excommunicated out of the church, uh, church discipline had been practiced. He was deep in sin, and he comes to the church repentant and crying out to God for repentance, and you can tell there's been a true transformation there. Am I going to get a little excited about that? You bet. It, it, when we when we sing that hymn, am I going to have a little spring in my step? You bet. Um, you know, there, there's going to be this expression of what it is that God has done um, within the mind and the heart of, of the believer. It is going to be emotional. Now, it may be, it's not the same for everyone, and I think that's where we where we find fault in it.
0: Uh oh, yeah. For, yeah we for like the that, uh, yeah, we like the cookie cutter, this is the way our church does it,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. you mm-hmm. know,
0: responses. And I, I'm not for that at all. And I yeah. think uh, I think denominations in a, in a lot of ways are just worship preferences.
1: Well, it's, know, it's, yeah, it's, and it's easier too. It's easier just to say, just to draw the line and just say, we're going to do this and we're not going to do this and not to explain why. Um, yeah. And and what you really end up getting into are personal preferences, which I, I think we have to be careful of. But I, on this this idea of inward and outward, Miles, I think the biggest thing is is personal preparation for the corporate worship service.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: Too absolutely. many of too many of into
0: staggering, <laughs> staggering to church after yeah, nearly man. choking the child. You love very much.
1: Well, and you not know. even that. I mean, too, too many of God's children are, are taking Saturday nights and staying up to the wee hours doing whatever. I'm not saying it's necessarily anything simple. Um, but I'm saying that Sunday and the corporate worship is the last thing on their mind until that alarm clock goes off on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not thinking about it. it. It is the most important day of the week. And oftentimes we don't think about it until the last minute. And so we haven't prepared our minds. We haven't prepared our bodies. We haven't prepared our families. And, and think about, I mean, we haven't prepared to meet with God. And that comes back to a fundamental misunderstanding of what worship is, what corporate worship is.
0: Yeah. Well, to avoid the the, the navel gazing and all that stuff, so I mean, should we just incorporate worship booths or stalls or worship in cubicles, you know, so we can still gather, but be private, you know, would that work? Uh,
1: no, because <laughs> then I can't sing to you, uh, you know, going back to Colossians and uh, Ephesians five there. Um, it is, it is horizontal as well as vertical. I can't, if, if I just show up and I'm, and I'm, I'm, uh, uh, <laughs> For lack of a better term, social distanced off from you, and have no <laughs> contact from you, uh, which is it's hard. It's hard even now to be to do this. You know, to um, it's hard for me to encourage and stir up love and good deeds, which I'm commanded to do um, yeah. in the time of corporate worship.
0: Well, yeah. what about what about the church building? I mean, people have often spoken of the church building uh, as the place that God meets with His people and prayed blessings over the property, marched around it, and, yeah. you know, done the Jericho march. They require certain behavior within it. They call it uh, the sanctuary or the temple, mm-hmm. refer to it as God's house. Uh, I mean, how much focus should we give the environment in which we congregate? Or is that an outdated Old Testament idea?
1: Um, man, you're just digging in all kinds of areas today, aren't you? The, um, <laughs> I think, well, ultimately, yes. Where we worship today is not the temple. God is no longer in the temple. We, the children of God, are the temple of God. Um, When someone says, where's your God? We no longer point towards Jerusalem. We no longer point to the Mm -hmm. temple and say, there's where we meet God. No, we we point to ourselves. God lives within me. And And when the body gathers together and the word is preached and we... Worship God promises that He will meet His Spirit will meet with us as one body, the church, or the local church. Um, so that can you know where can that where can that occur? That can occur anywhere, anywhere the body is is gathered. Uh, I think we now, if you'd ask me this twenty years ago, uh, I'd immediately jumped on it and said, "Yes, we make much to much of our buildings." Um, and now I think it varies. I, I think I think at the end of the day we have to be aware of two things. One, it's not our home. I, I think that's where we get into a lot of over expenditure of oh, the church. God. Is is we we want to make it like our house. Uh, we want to create those creature comforts that are there, and so I think it it becomes a misuse. Of we're not good stewards. I just put it like that, yep. and, um, and 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 it becomes a distraction in that regard. Um, at the end of the day, though, uh, God in His grace, God or in His mercy, we you know we're, we're able to meet here in America. We're able to meet in a building. We're able to build a building. And so I think that 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 building, you know, it needs to be safe. It needs to be secure. Um, it, it needs to have. Um, availabilities for you know for others, uh, handicapped access, you know things of those those things where we need to take in consideration and show love to our neighbor and it be inviting for those to come. Um, yeah. The whole time though, keeping in mind that if that building were to suddenly burn down to the ground, that the church that meets in that building is by no way, no means effective. Uh, we can meet on the ashes as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and we will meet just as strongly as we would if we had the bill.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we've kind of talked about this, you know, worship is not an option. You know, mm, the atheist yeah. says, I, I, I don't believe in God, I will worship no one. Well, you're worshiping yourself or you're, you're yeah. going to become an environmentalist and you'll worship nature or something you know um we worship in all that we do it's it's our baseline <laughs> default mm-hmm. position mm-hmm. as humans and so we give we give worth to material things when we value them more than people we worship them uh when we attach value to people by giving inordinate amounts of time to them and and forgetting god we worship them we worship ourselves when we make Everything revolve around us, and so my question is is it is it going too far to say that all is worship and and then the follow up is, do we need to understand that as Christians, at times we slide in and out of idolatry as we imperfectly uh, give God the leftovers we we make our schedules and don't uh, and when we have too much of this or too much of that, when we spend our money poorly mm-hmm. or we have bad priorities, you know, I, I, I think, um, it, 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 depresses me in a way to think of it that way, but it also helps me to understand that I will never get this perfect. Yeah. You know, my heart is never going to be perfectly pure when I go to church. And that doesn't mean that we don't try. We try with all our might, but uh, it's, it's all of grace. You know, any, yeah. any worship we accomplish is, um, God helping uh, helping us and teaching us to sanctify us.
1: Yeah and, and being constantly aware that um, or, or, or rather constantly having on the tip of our tongue Maranatha, come quickly Lord Jesus. Oh yes um, that what we're doing here though is practice. It, it is practice for eternity certainly, but it is imperfect and, uh, and we fail so often. Um, Again, I I think talking about this comes back to an understanding of individual versus corporate worship. Um, Mm. I think we have a severe misunderstanding of the priority of corporate worship in the American church today. Uh, We're an individualized culture. And so it can be Jesus and me. You know, it used to be my Bible in me. Um, Now it's just Jesus in me, Um, and that's all I need. I don't need doctrine. I don't need theology. Um, I don't need you. Um,
0: Well, to believe that you don't need doctrine is a doctrine. It
1: is a doctrine. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's
0: a word we don't use much, but it just means
1: yeah. When people people say all I need is all I need is Jesus, well, which Jesus? Um, because as soon as you define which Jesus we're talking about, you're doing theology, whether you like it or not. Um, but again, we we've got this, you know, this time, and, and I'm not, I don't want to go off on anything here, but this time that we've been given by God uh, of this pandemic, and and I know there has been a lot of. Struggle, a lot of suffering to it. I know, I know you yeah. personally, brother. I, I, you know, uh, we've talked about that. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, this is this is from God. This is a, a time providential that we've been given by God, where we have seen Him just give an opportunity for people to reprioritize their life and their family's life.
0: Oh, it's been a cold turkey, hard reset.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, And I'm going somewhere with this. I mean, we've seen, I loved what one guy said on Twitter. I mean, this was back at the end of March, right when they, you know, they dismissed school. And he comes on and he goes, and just like that, God made every family a homeschool family. (laughs) You, You know, we would have had no concept of that before, of, of where school would just be gone, just like that. Um, and, and even today, we're still not, you know. So all of these sports, all of these things, um, all have been have been eliminated for a while now. What has happened though? what we see, and I'm probably talking about Christians here, instead of the Christian pausing, and evaluating their life and going, okay, maybe maybe God is giving me a reset here. Maybe, you know, he's removing all of these personal priorities that I've put in the way of, put in the way of him that have interrupted my worship and all that, rather than evaluating our lives and our our families, how we're, how we're, and even the things that you've talked about, our schedules, how we spend our money. Many Christians already are just saying, well, I'll just recreate something else. You know, I know personally. You know, uh, a person's um, it was um it wasn't baseball; it was another sport or something. Uh, but anyway, their league had been canceled. Well, they just created a new league, and and we'll just we'll just continue on doing what it is that we've been doing. You know, and, and I, it likens me; it reminds me of Israel. Of of how many times God brings in judgment and 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 calls them to repentance, and yes, you see some re- repenting, but on the whole, you just see, "Oh, we'll just we'll just go our own way, Lord. We'll just continue to do what we're doing. We'll find a way around. We'll find a loophole."
0: And well, him, you know, we're going to tear down our high places, and uh, we repent for a little bit, and then we just go find another high place. And you know, yeah, but uh, we're not going to another, tear another them temple, all down. Another That's altar, right. You know, yeah, yeah, we're. Yeah.
1: we're and, and and this is what is is so sad to see that we're not even taking time. We're just we're just blaming the devil um, or blaming the president or ever how you want to you know look at this, and um, not even taking time to see that God is giving us an opportunity to reprioritize our lives towards Him and towards worship, and that's individually and corporate. Going back to that, you know, because you talk about talk to people about how did you prepare uh, for corporate worship on. On Saturday, well, I, I was gone. You know, I've been busy all day. We had these commitments, these commitments, these commitments. Well, those commitments were gone. How did you prepare? Well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make new commitments is, is what ends up happening.
0: Well, and we set up those commitments. It's like once you committed to them, they're there. But if you are committed to I'm going to set aside a certain amount of time each week, and it's on the calendar, you know, it's 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 harder to make that conscious effort to put anything over the top of it. You just have to have the mindset of this time is God's, this time is our family's, and we're gonna worship, we're gonna prepare our hearts. And uh and that's really the only way to do it. It's it's uh uh the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You know, if you give yeah. the flesh half a chance, he will talk you out of it. Yeah. And he will give you a new commitment and he will you know, have an emergency come up, and you have to be uh, just bullheaded yeah. to, to latch onto it and say, "No, we are doing this."
1: Well, we want the best of everything. We we want. Oh yeah. And and what we what we fail to realize is Christians that many many Christians today are being smacked in the face with the fact that their worldview is not working. It's not biblical, and it's not working. And and rather than acknowledging that, uh, it's a willful blindness that occurs. They, they still continue to press on. They still continue to say, "No, it, it has to be my way." Um, you know, I, I could do this, but I'm, not, but but why? That's going to interfere with my life. Um, mm-hmm. There there is no sacrifice involved, and uh, so it's it's just um, it's trouble. It's trouble.
0: Well, I've got one more uh, quote for you before we start to wrap this up uh, from Kevin D. Young. In corporate worship, we read the Bible, preach the Bible, pray the Bible, sing the Bible, and see the Bible in the sacraments. Every element in the service must be evaluated based on God's revelation in the Scriptures. We are singing, saying, and hearing what is true. Because of this conviction, we also affirm that the acceptable way of worshiping the true God is instituted by himself and so limited by his own revealed will. This regulative principle should not be the source of endless conflict and idle speculation, but an opportunity for God's people to find unity and freedom in worshiping God as he wants to be worshipped. So, we've talked about this a little bit, but could you... Summarize the regulative principle in three words or less? No, okay, just...
1: <laughs> the Bible says so. Well, that's four. Okay,
0: that'll okay. work. <laughs> Bible says so. Bible,
1: Bible says. says so. There you go. <laughs> uh, take off the article. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the, the regulative principle is, is something that's not practiced very often as opposed to the normative principle, which basically normative principle says... Um, if it doesn't say it, we can do it. Or if it doesn't say not to do it, we can do it. Uh, and then the regulated, regulative principle, uh, says that in God's word, he has regulated or he has, uh, commanded certain things to occur in corporate worship. Um, when you see those in the new Testament, they can look differently. They're, they're not designed to look the same way, um, And, uh, you know, talking about form uh, in every church service, in every local church service, singing is going to look different um, here at First Baptist Jonesboro as opposed to um, in Africa or in Sweden. Um, It's going to look different. Um, But is singing taking place? Is congregational singing taking place? Um, I love a quote by Kevin DeYoung. I'm a fan of his. Um, But I I think what you see in this quote is the participation of everyone in the worship service. This goes back to that in worship, in corporate worship, we are participants. We are not the audience. We are not spectators. Um, I've got your quote there. Look what it says. says, in corporate worship, we read the Bible. Hmm. And then he goes on to mention those things. Um, within the regulated principle basically and, and calvin testifies to the or calvin brings this up as well there's we're looking at basically five things occurring in the worship service the exposition of the word prayer singing the observance of the sacraments or in good baptist case the ordinances uh, basically we're talking about baptism and the lord's Supper mm-hmm. and then church discipline some people include that fifth one in theirs, others do not. But, but I think there is a discipline, there's a formative and a corrective discipline that should be taking place within the, the context of worship. Um, but when you look at that and you say, okay, first and foremost, yes, leadership, pastoral leadership is responsible to see that those things are taking place. But then if you notice the very next sentence that Kevin Young says, He says, every element in the service must be evaluated based on God's revelation in the scriptures. Are we singing, saying, hearing what is true? So it's not just the pastor's job. It's the pastor's job to preach and to expound the word and to rightly divide the word of truth. But who decides if that word is, or who is evaluating, not deciding, who is evaluating if that word is being rightly divided? The congregation. And so they are actively participating in seeing that every one of those things are being done. It, it goes back to congregationalism in that we call the pastor, we but then we in turn rightly submit to pastoral leadership, plurality of elders, however you want to, to look at that. Um, we, we in turn submit to that leadership, but only insofar as they are submitting to Christ. And, and when they no longer submit to Christ, when they stop preaching the word, when, when prayer ceases in the worship service, when singing ceases or, or becomes man-centered, any one of those things, then we are to confront that. Um,
0: yeah, and, and the, you're talking about the regulative versus the normative. I mm-hmm. think, uh, just put simply, uh, the normative principle would say, well, the Bible doesn't say you can't have a dog and pony show in the service. Right, Right. You know, it doesn't say you can't do a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, So it just, it leaves it so open-ended that, uh, you know, kind of anything goes except, you know, bringing out a golden calf and, you know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and we have to be careful, too, because we go back to, well, it doesn't specifically say. Um, and And yet, that is... To me, that comes back, yeah, we need to examine, but we need to examine what scriptures say that we can and cannot do. Um, and, and a lot of it gets into your, um, really what I would say, your breaking of your first and second commands.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, we are down to the last question, and this is one that I know we've kind of been rushing through the rest of, but this one I want you to take your time just milk it for all it's worth because this is the last one, and um, I, I want you just to do your do your oh, best on it because no. this is one I really am um, curious about. But uh, hymns.
1: Um, oh, okay, your serious question. Okay, I thought you were, <laughs> I thought
0: <laughs> no, you were setting up something else. <laughs> no, 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 no. Hymns are uh, hymns are deep and rich. They're thoughtful. Uh, they say a lot in just a few words. Um, you know, they're, they, they've lasted for a reason. They're classics. You know, but other Christian songs are often repetitive and just go on forever. We call the others hymns. Why don't we call modern worship choruses hers? I uh, uh, was Take so close. Time, Trey. Take was, your time, Take your time,
1: What? What? <laughs> Here I was preparing, you know, um, <laughs> gee whiz. Yes.
0: This is a dynamic of our relationship. Uh, <laughs> Trey, Trey, Trey needs me like a bad dose of medicine. So. Miles is,
1: this is no, I'm going to share this. This is no lie. I, I called Miles one day and I just said, I want you to know that God has placed you in my life <laughs> as as an aspect of my sanctification. So
0: because they're
1: <laughs> just giving tear
0: up you know. Ooh,
1: given ooh, our personality ooh. types, there is just uh uh no way that we should just be great brothers in the Lord, but but we are. And uh <laughs> I think it's because of Martha though. That's probably Martha.
0: Yeah. Well yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah she she is my regulative principle. <laughs> there, there
1: we go. There we go. Yeah. If you were without Martha, I don't know, brother. It'd be it'd be Oh close. man. It'd be, grace would have to abound. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, with every one of these uh, interviews, I always want to end with the lightning round because uh, I feel like this is not only uh, kind of fun and interesting, but it, it, it is helpful and uh, kind of points the listeners and, and myself in some different directions that we may not have gotten to without uh, just a little bit of uh, probing questions. So lightning round questions. You ready? Go ahead. Yeah. Favorite gospel artist
1: miles Pike.
0: Oh no 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 no. Oh, I, don't, do I don't I don't know.
1: get off that easy.
0: Yeah, makes makes you, makes you uh, sound like there's money under the table.
1: So. My children's favorite gospel artist really is you. Uh, in all seriousness. Oh. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. that okay, I'll take that as their answer.
1: There, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Think go with that.
0: <laughs> they need to get around though, you know. Uh okay, book recommendation.
1: Well, I've got to do this given his recent passing. um, Knowing God by J.I. Packer. Mm, Um, That would probably be up there in the in the top five. Um, Beyond that, I'm going to go with uh, you know Calvin's Institutes, Um, and and of course those are more lengthy reads, things of that nature. Um, I'm reading a book just to kind of throw in, I guess, a contemporary, a guy who's alive. Uh, which, by the way, I'm finding myself more and more um, limiting my reading to, to dead guys. Um, <laughs> yeah. They're just safer, brother, um, given the, the turmoil that we're in today. Uh, but that's a whole other podcast. Oh yeah, um, I'm reading a book right now and going through it with a couple of guys, and it's called Disciplines of a Godly Man by Kent uh, Hughes. Highly recommended um, okay. for growing just just personal sanctification as a man. He's in his seventies now, so he's not writing this as a thirty-five-year-old guy who thinks he knows everything. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's in his seventies. His you know his kids are grown, um, and he just really takes time to reflect through uh, all of the the aspects of sanctification. It is it has been. Truly, a um, uh, a book of growth for for me, and like I say, I'm taking some other guys through it. So uh, it's been good, it's been good. I would highly recommend it. Easy read; chapters are not that long, um, and so you can just take it a chapter at a time. He gives some great. This is nothing I like about it. Gives some great resources um, at the end of each chapter, uh, which you okay. don't find a lot in in books today. Great. All right. Most
0: influential person. Miles Pike. Oh, yeah. Right.
1: Right. Uh, Let me give you one early in life and one later in life. Um, Early in life would be um, a guy by the name of Rudolph Foster. um, Long-term deacon in the church I grew up in. And, Taught training union. There's your word you don't hear very much. Uh, taught training union to children into his eighties. Um, just a mm-hmm. a phenomenal man of God. He wasn't flashy. He wasn't um, spectacular in terms of notoriety. He was just a man of God. He was he was a Barnabas. I think I've heard people compare him to. Um,
0: yeah, I found that you know asking this question of of people very often, you know, the most influential person, it's not somebody that people even knows their name. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. you know, it's it's the people that were sitting by you on the pew in church. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know that, that you know you can't go out and buy their book. That's right. <laughs> because they didn't write one. That's right. You know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They wrote it with their life, um, and uh, but it will never be in print. So. Uh, that's the, the downside of that. Um, today in life, pastorally, uh, uh brother pastor of mine, uh, Jim Law, pastor at First Baptist Church in Gonzales. Uh, if you're in that way, whoever's listening to this, if you're down in Gonzales, check out his church. Uh, wonderful man of God uh, seeking to do things on a, on a biblical level. So uh, praising God for him. He's been very influential in, in my life and uh, in Brian's life
0: funniest moment as a pastor or a music leader?
1: Uh, yeah, that would be uh, an Easter Sunday. It has yet to been taught. Uh, it was an Easter Sunday. I was in the middle of my sermon. Of course, it's Easter, so you know you got one of those powerful, uh, you know, that that's your powerful evangelistic sermon time, so to speak. Um, <laughs> but I'm preaching away, and I'm noticing one of my congregation members having a terrible time with her, son who was probably three or four years old at the time um he was just becoming more and more um <laughs> un, unruly so to speak <laughs> i don't know if i can use that word um and so it, it came time for her to take him out and of course she was in her sunday best uh had her, her dress and high heels and so she goes and i'm just in the middle of the sermon she goes to take him out and and he shifts as as he's coming out of the pew and just about knocks her down. Um, so she's stumbling as she runs out the door, trying not to fall, um, you know, and dragging him behind. And he's just you know he kind of gives that look like no, you know, and and um, and I'm just start praying for him as I'm just continue to preach. I'm just like, and I try not to lose composure. I just I just kept going. Um, the second one along with that, though, I'm just going to add to that, was the, the day that the cat, or a cat, uh, a couple of cats actually, got underneath the church and began having a fight during the middle of the service. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was kind of interesting.
0: Wow. <laughs> and all the demons and all the devils of hell will not. <laughs> that, uh, yes. That, yes. Yes.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> It was pretty much timed perfectly, too.
0: All right, last but not least, you are ruler of the world. Finally, it's it's finally happened. What's your first order?
1: Oh wow, I've got to test my sanctification here for what comes out of my mouth. <laughs> I am ruler for one day. Um, that social distancing would be eliminated. <laughs> and I don't mean that unkind. I don't, I, I just, uh, that would be under the assumption that the coronavirus and the pandemic had all been eliminated and all was gone. And, and, um, we were kind of back to some semblance of normal. So.
0: Um, oh man. Yeah. yeah. Well, now that I know that i am just, next time I see you, I'll get up in your space, you know, get in your, get in your bubble. And...
1: You you know, I have a bubble miles, you know, me. <laughs> you know, that I have a personal bubble. <laughs>
0: Hey, you're the one eliminating it. I mean, come on. Yeah. Well, so, you know,
1: social distance, not personal distance. There's a
0: difference there, <laughs> brother. There's a difference. Oh, man. Well, thank you so much for for coming on. I Oh yeah, brother's I been fun. It is, oh yeah, always fun when we talk and uh, thank you for uh taking time out of your busy schedule and um and coming and letting us pick your brain.
1: Yeah, man. It's been great. Um it's always good to hang out with you guys. I hope we don't get to see you more, but uh, be sure to give my, our love, our family, uh, our love uh, to uh, Martha and the kids. All right,
0: we'll do it. Well, God bless you. Grace and peace to you, and we will see you down the road.
1: All right, brother. Take care. God bless.
0: Well, I hope that you enjoyed this time that we spent together. I know that I have, and I pray that it has made you more appreciate the forms and functions of worship and the gifted people who help facilitate it. Continue the conversation by emailing any questions or suggestions you may have through my website at www.milespikemusic.com. That's M-I-L-E-S-P-I-K-E music.com. Support this endeavor by rating, reviewing, and sharing. If you want to go the extra mile, then I would greatly appreciate it if you purchase some digital downloads or hard copies of my music through the website and patronize our guests in any way that you can. Websites and details to that end will be in the show notes. This program plans to release every other week, so keep your eye out for the next edition of the Miles Pike Podcast. Till next time, worship wisely.